with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever you are. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unbelievable and all that other stuff. With me, my co-host, all the way from Wales, the gold standard in ghost hunting, According to the Wall Street Journal, Mr. Steve Parsons. Hello, good evening, and welcome. What am I going to call you, Doctor? You're not. It, it just wants to flow out of my mouth, you know. I know, I know. You start to sound like Cal now. Stop it. Everybody, everybody else is a doctor. I don't see why you should. That's the. Do you know that's what's putting me off? It seems <laughs> like doctors are ten a penny these days. Yeah. Can't you borrow one of Cal's titles? No, I'll get one of my own one day. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah, so there you go. No, is Boris still there or is he uh, on a slow boat to China? Uh, no, he's still our prime minister. He will uh, be until about the 5th of September. Ah, uh, good. Very good. Is Biden still there or has he fell asleep? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> no. We can't. We can't tell. You could always have, um, what's her name, Giggling Girl. Yes, we probably will. <laughs> he does a good job reading the prompter, though. That's the important thing. <laughs> I saw that clip today. There's repeat, a couple of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, repeat that line. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, joining us now is somebody I've known for a long time, and... Uh, if there's anything you want to know about Gettysburg, uh, he is definitely the man to go to. He, miss, he is Mr. Mark Nesbitt. Mark? Mark? Well, he used to be Mark Nesbitt. Well, that was, uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting. Funny enough, <laughs> I've, I've just been watching a whole series of live videos um, beginning of this month. Um, Gettysburg 159 by the American Battlefield Society. Oh, yeah. They've been streaming live each day from, you know, telling the story of Gettysburg. Oh, that's interesting. So that was uh, quite interesting because it's still on my bucket list, place to go. I haven't been it, there. Well, when you go, you have to hitch up with uh, Mark, of course, because, like I said, one of the ways about Gettysburg, he's the man. The one thing they didn't mention at all during the program, um, I say it was on for each day of, so what's that, four days, is it, I think? Mm -hmm. um, and it takes you through the battle step by step from uh, Seminary Ridge and the arrivals and, and the toing and froing and then end with Pickett's Charge and then the retreat. and um, But they never mentioned the ghosts. Really? Oh well, um, it's you know they've got these um, all these historians and professors and military mm -hmm. tacticians and. Uh, but Mark, are you are you with us now, Mark? 
But they don't mention the ghosts who clearly are haunting. There we go. Wait, wait. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Now we can. (laughs) Okay, well, for some reason, when I plugged in my uh, earphones, I went away. Yes, you did. Sorry. That's all right. That's fine. But anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, As I said in my introduction, I've known you for a good long time, and uh, we've done a bunch of... he still speaks to you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we've done a bunch of things together and uh, always had a good time. Uh, his wife, Carol, is, is fun, too. So, uh, yeah, if if you want to go to Gettysburg uh, and he's the well, guy you really have to see. I know. Well, I was just saying, Mark, um, I've just been watching the American Battlefield Society's uh, Gettysburg 159 yes. uh, live broadcast each day. Um, so I was tuning in and watching them. I had no idea you were coming on the show, um, but it was it was fascinating. But they didn't mention the ghosts, um, which I thought, well, I mean, not going to because they were talking about the battle itself and the lead up and blow by blow through the different parts of the battlefield. So uh, it's it's always been on my bucket list. My wife has been because she's got family in Pennsylvania, uh, but yeah, it still haven't managed to get across. Well, you know, they a lot of times they they don't mention the ghosts. I mean, there's so much ghost lore at Gettysburg. I mean, you can it's almost like you can you have time for one or the other, the history or <clears throat> the ghosts. But um, at any rate, the uh, part part of the thing, the the way we look at it, we I was I was always looked at it is that it's part of the folklore of the area, and mm. it uh, you know folklore is history, so why not? And, exactly, uh, exactly. I mean, they've talked. The, the program talked about you know so many uh, aspects of the history, but they didn't mention at all um, anything to do with the ghosts. Right, right. Well, and but there are you know there have been programs out on Gettysburg ghosts. We did some. Oh yeah, absolutely. Back in the nineties, you know. So um, and with, uh, some with of the trench coat. Yeah, with the trench coat and the uh, <laughs> and the weird hat. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they wanted me to wear that, so that's fine. You know, it's, I don't think I've worn them since. But at any rate, it's it's part of it. Um, but the uh, the ghost presence the, the, is 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 almost palpable at Gettysburg. One uh, friend of mine said that you you know anywhere you go in Gettysburg, you can feel what he said what he called the great crush of souls here. Ooh. And it's true, you know, you can, well, Ron, you've been here and, you know, you felt it. Uh, yep. And Steve, you you would feel it if you ever came. The It's like, like I said, it's like uh, walking in, kind of like walking into a church. I mean, it's a, it's just a building, but you feel like you're in someplace special. And I think that's kind of like the way, the way Gettysburg affects a lot of people. That's a good yeah. analogy. Just Mark, want to correct one thing there, Mark. It's not a case of... Um, uh, if I ever get there, it's when. Oh yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, when? Yeah. That's... Anyways, I I didn't properly introduce Mark because of uh, the, the the headphone thing, but uh, Mark, uh, you are the proprietor of Ghost of Gettysburg, I believe, still. That is correct. And you uh, also writ like six thousand books on Gettysburg. Uh, <laughs> close. Yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> Including no, I, a, a new one you have out now, right? That's right. It just came out two weeks ago called uh, 
Gettysburg's hidden haunted hotspots. Oh, wow. I go into some of the more obscure places that uh, are either haunted or have the potential to be haunted, uh, which kind of opens it up also for those who want to do some uh, ghost hunting that where no one else has gone or very few people have gone. But um, there's some really remarkable places out there that aren't necessarily on the National Park that have some extraordinary um, events happen. I mean, a lot of people think that the battle was just fought on the National Park, which is which is patently absurd because, you know, the soldiers didn't stop fighting when they got to a certain boundary, you know, <laughs> of said, well, you know, one of these days is going to be a National Park and we can't fight beyond this boundary because <laughs> it's not going to own it. The whole town itself was battlefield. I mean, the Confederate, the Union troops came through it uh the morning of july 1st and actually the night of july uh june 30th uh and they they fought out to the north and west of gettysburg then they were driven through the town by the victorious confederates on the first day and the confederates then occupied the town including our building the one where we run the ghost tours out of um and buildings all around us and um, there were some nasty fights going through the town where there were rear guard actions by Union soldiers and Confederates overwhelmed them. And so there was there was literally blood in the streets uh, in Gettysburg itself. Plus, you had, for example, one of the hidden haunted hotspots that I that I wrote about was uh, Fairfield. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, Ron, but it is. No, no. Um, about seven miles uh, to the uh, west of Gettysburg, there was a big cavalry battle out there. It was important because the Confederates were going to use that eventually as a retreat route, you know, or at least they wanted to save it as a retreat route. And the, had the Union one out there, then Lee might have been trapped. Robert E. Lee, the Confederate commander, and his army might have been trapped at Gettysburg, and the war could have been over. But the Confederates were successful. A lot of the, it's a little tiny town. Fairfield's not very big, but it's very important. And a lot of the um, soldiers were brought, the wounded soldiers were brought into the town. And uh, some of the churches and some of the private homes in town were used as hospitals. And anytime, as you know, you have a hospital scene where men are being worked on and dying and, 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 and basically operated upon, there the chances of having their spirits linger uh, there uh, uh, are go up astronomically. And so you have, you know, you have that, you have Fairfield and um, was Fairfield, was that Stewart? Was that Stewart? Uh, no, it was, well, he, came, he, you know, he came through there at, at various times, but in fact, uh, uh, even, even uh, the year before uh, he had, had, or the year after he'd been through there, no, year before he'd been through, but at any rate, he, he, it was part of his cavalry. I mean, his, uh, you know, Confederate cavalry would was on all understood. You might be thinking he at that time he was out at East Cavalry Battlefield. Okay, and, and that was another. That's another site in hidden haunted hotspots because a lot of people now the Park Service does own that, but it's not very frequently visited and is one of the largest, uh, second largest or so cavalry battle in the North American continent, out there. 
So a lot of a uh, lot of men were casualties out there, and 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 a lot of potential for for ghosts and 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 spirits lingering. Well, well I, think I did want I, to mention. All right, go ahead, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to ask. Um, one of the places that I was going to ask about is um, I saw it on a, a video a few months ago. Was the Gettysburg Museum of History? Because they have a huge number of artifacts and relics, not just from the Battle of Gettysburg, but from World War One, World War Two. I imagine with that many relics, um, you know, they, they've got bullets, they've got Abraham Lincoln's wallet, they've got easy company stuff from Band of Brothers. I mean, there is a huge potential there for ghosts, surely. Yeah, I have been there too, and as 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 you probably saw, the place is filled, overflowing with artifacts. Um, I'm not a, a, an expert like John Zaffis is on haunted um, possessions, but uh, and I but I do know Eric, the fellow who uh, uh, owns the place. I have not re- and I visited the place, but I haven't really spoken to him about if he's had any experiences in his place he's a lifelong Gettysburgian he's he's lived here forever but um you know I'm gonna Steve I'm gonna next time I see him I'm gonna ask him because that's a uh, an interesting thing that and 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 probably I mean it makes sense that he would have some kind of weird things going on there but uh at any rate yeah it's a marvelous museum and he does have a lot of stuff on the band it it looked absolutely fascinating and um because he said he was the third great grandson of the Peffer family. Yes. And it was an original Peffer family home that the museum's in, uh, if I remember rightly. But it right. was the amount of artifacts. And I was, you know, it crossed my mind to ask you tonight when I, I learned you are a guest, that uh, surely somewhere like that must, I mean, if, if you're going to attract ghosts, then having the artifacts from the battles and not just the Gettysburg battles. I mean, it must be, you know, if, if that's the case, then, you know, you could have all manner of specters and spooks hanging around right. there. But it, you're not necessarily just specters too. You, you would have the, you know, if you believe in psychometry, then you have that energy in the objects as well. That must, uh, uh, also radiate from them. So it, there's a lot of things I would imagine be going on in there. So, Mark, there's your assignment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and while you're there, well, when it, one of the things I was going to pick up when I come over, because apparently they sell uh, mini balls uh, from each side. So I was going to get, because I've got a large collection of musket balls from the English Civil War battles, um, but I don't have any mini balls from the American Civil War battles. So I need to correct that when I come over. Yep, there's plenty here. But if they try, and, <laughs> if they try and sell you the one, the one mini ball that killed General General Reynolds, yeah, mm-hmm. d- don't buy it. It's been sold <laughs> three hundred thousand times. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 nine there's nine bullets that, that shot Abe Lincoln on on eBay at the moment. <laughs> hey, yeah, Steve, don't don't buy that one either. Steve, I mean, well, you were up at the old manse. I mean, you didn't get yeah. one from the American War there. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. Okay. I do have an American Revolutionary War um, uh, ball. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, one of the things we did do with uh, Mark is he, he came up here and, and did some events with me. We did a cruise and we did uh, the old Mets. And uh, uh, Mark is, is extremely good at uh, EVP. Uh, he does manage to get some unusual things on his recorder. And uh, he, we, what are, well, there was a couple of things, but one time he was by the graves of the British soldiers there. Do you remember this, Mark? And you had that, yes. that, that picture that, that I still can't explain it to this day. That looks like it was a grumbler or something standing there <laughs> or a baby, depending yeah. on how, how you look at it. Yeah, that was one of your Pukwudgies, was it, Ron? It could be. That that Ron was particularly moving for me, you know. I mean, it's it's uh, a number of uh, British soldiers who were buried right there on the spot yeah. of that the, the Concord Bridge, and uh, they, uh, I mean, you think about their families mm-hmm. you know, all the way across in England, and um, they were soldiers. They left, took them a month or so to get over here. They were stationed in America. They were killed right at the beginning of the war, and and that's it. They're here. You wonder if their families uh, ever even heard from them. Well, they obviously didn't hear from them again or ever even heard what happened to them mm-hmm. or just had to assume that they were somehow killed in the in the no. uh, rebellion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was, was kind of sad. There was another one as well. Uh, when I visited Concord, there was uh, I paid my respects to the to the graves that are right next to the bridge, but right opposite the Colonial um, Hotel, In, there is right on the sidewalk. There's another one which I, I missed the first time I visited, but found the second time. Um, just came up on it by chance. It's barely even marked. Yeah, there's quite a few. I mean, of course, uh, Concord has uh, several cemeteries, you know, that are up there. And but yeah, but anyway. this poor guy's on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, we've had them in parking lots. You know, it's where you find yeah, them. I mean, we put our kings in parking lots, but yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, you know, as you have, like I said, you you're very good at EVPs, and and I'm curious. When you do EVPs, and, and Steve, you could chime in on this as well. I mean, does do you think the longer a person is dead, the less chances I get in an EVP or, or a, a communication with it, or is it no correlation at all? Wow, that's a that's a good question, Ron. I you know I, I kind of narrow my. Um my research down to, you know, 150 years ago, basically the American Civil War, it's just because just out of a matter of the fact that that's what I, that's what I write about. Um, I would think that the energy between, between the energy of the spirit, uh, maybe some residual energy from where they are, if, for example, if they're near a river or, uh, you know, the place where, you know, battle was where a lot of energy was expended, um, and then the, the the energy of the uh, of the researcher. I would think that they would be able to collect enough energy to to answer easy questions, yes, no questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure a uh, pendulum or maybe dowsing rods would work as well because it doesn't take much energy to move those around. But um, the like I said, most of my stuff is is uh 
uh, is, is, you know, Civil War 150 years ago. And on the sites where some of these people were, they don't necessarily have to have died there. I got some incredible EVP at a uh, place called Union Mills, which is where Jeb Stewart and his cavalry rode through. And I was and I was talking to uh, a guy by the name of Andrew Reed Venable, who was on Stewart's staff, oh, wow. who was who rode with him, and uh, he he did not die in the battle. He did not die there either. So um, he, uh, I asked him, uh, Major Venable, did you write in with General Stewart? And you hear immediately the answer, I did. And then I asked him later on, um, uh, Major Venable, who's president? And you hear him kind of hesitate a little bit, but he says, Je- Je- Jefferson Davis. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, most everybody mm-hmm. would think, well, he's going to say Abraham Lincoln. That wasn't his president. Right, that's true. He was a Confederate. So, um, and once again, he didn't he didn't die there. So that energy, where his energy came from, I don't know, but that must have been a pretty important place for him because he's on the big campaign to invade the North, and they're just about ready to cross into Pennsylvania. So, Steve, what do you think about that? Is I mean, you know, you see even in like some of these uh, uh, reported ghosts that are seen. Uh, you know, some of them are translucent where some people, if you see a, a spirit or a ghost uh, or an apparition, whatever you want to call them, uh, they look almost solid. Uh, is Does that energy fade over time or, or is it? Well, I think I think we can actually draw a direct comparison here because uh, the American Civil War was about 160 years ago, whereas mm-hmm. the English Civil War was a little over 400 years ago. And I've spent... Um, Kind of like uh, what what Mark's been doing at Gettysburg, I go to the battle uh, battlefields on the anniversaries um, looking for, and there are reports of apparitions, not just that, you know, uh, we have a comparative battle to Gettysburg, the Battle of Marston Moor, which took place uh, in the 17th century, so a long time ago. And the number of apparition reports that come in um, are virtually you know you can count them on the fingers of one hand mm-hmm. um there are similarities too in that some of the reported apparitions are clearly people who didn't die in the battle um in fact didn't succumb to the war at all lived to you know a ripe old age mm-hmm. um but when you look at the numbers of apparitions um and reportings from the battle of marston moor 400 something years ago and compare that to the battle of gettysburg 150 60 years ago there are many more from gettysburg and it it does uh suggest that there's a possibility that that uh energies fade over time or they move on you know, the, their time on Earth is fixed and they go elsewhere or they, the energy simply fades away. Uh, but we can draw that comparison because we yeah. did have, you know, a major English civil war or British civil war in reality, um, you know, 300 years before the American civil war. So let's let's do it on a shorter scale, Mark. I'll ask you because you have been in Gettysburg for quite a few years. You started off there as a park ranger. And uh, how many years ago was that, Mark? 50 years ago. 
So there you go. So two years ago, yeah. So you have witnessed, uh, you know, <coughs> you've been there for, for 50 years. Has Let's start it this way. Has the number of ghost sightings been increased or decreased in your time there? Well, I think I think there are a couple factors here we have to keep in mind. I remember when I first uh, when I first got there, we would get stories from people that would be on the battlefield, you know, by themselves or with friends, and um, they would uh, come into the park service uh, and ask if there were any ghosts at Gettysburg and tell us their stories. And I I, I just started jotting them down. There were also a lot of people from the town and say, ah, you know, I lived for, you know, I've lived here for 30 years and I've never seen a ghost, you know, that type of thing. But the other interesting thing is, you know, it took me about 10 years to get the stories for the first book together. And, but once it was published within two weeks, I started getting letters and phone calls and faxes back in the old days when we had faxes mm-hmm. and uh, saying basically, okay, I don't feel uncomfortable about talking about it now. Uh, my neighbors won't think I'm crazy, but here's what happened to me when I went to Gettysburg. Here's the ghostly experience that I had. So I started getting, and you know, we now have eight volumes. I'm working on a ninth oh, of the ghosts of Gettysburg. And um, these are a lot of stories that people have sent to me about their own experiences here. So, um, I, I think there might be a there was a reluctance to talk about it for a long time, although I think it was still every bit as active as um, as it ever has been. And, you know, there the store, some of the earlier stories I got, although I got them 52 years ago, had been, you know, go back into the, you know, some of the older park rangers told me them then they got those stories from their parents. So, you know, I think there's always been activity in Gettysburg. It's just whether people were willing to talk about it and, and, and jot it down, you know, that, so I think, I think it's always been active as active as, as, as it is now. Okay. We're coming up to the break right now, but uh, I'll give you the question. If we have time to answer it, then we will. But do you think like all the ghost hunting shows that are out there now is creating uh people wanting to see and therefore seeing more than there is out there do you want me to answer that now or wait till after? you know what i just thought in 30 seconds i think we'll wait so you think about that all right I will. <laughs> and uh you're listening to ghost chronicles international right here on tojanet with steve parson and ron Kohler. and our special guest today is mark nesbitt of uh Ghost of Gettysburg Tours, an author extraordinaire. And uh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, and our very good friends at Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. And we'll be right back after the following message. Welcome to Tokyo. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. second half of the first half of the two-hour ghost chronicles i've run out of things to say our guest tonight anyway is i would uh, suggest is probably the world's leading expert on the ghosts of gettysburg mark nesbitt who was posed a question before the break so the question was, Mark, does, is the effects of uh, all these ghost shows on TV influence the sightings of uh, people in Gettysburg? Well, I thought about that a little bit. And I think what's happened um, is that a, a couple of things. Number one, they realize, you know, the first question anyone asks in a, uh, in a haunted area or if you're going to a haunted, allegedly haunted area is, did you see a ghost? Well, I think what the uh, programs are doing is they're making people realize that seeing a ghost is not the only way you experience uh-huh. them. Um, and, you know, because if if you're honest, you say, no, I, I, I didn't see any ghosts. So I guess there weren't any ghosts there. But as you know, I mean, there I mean, all the senses, all the human senses are involved. You know, I've had my my sleep pulled. I've been tapped on the shoulder. You you there there are strange smells of of decomposition or perhaps for example at gettysburg uh, people will smell um rotten eggs and can't figure out what that is well it's it's the sulfur from the black powder that they used back in the in the day or they'll smell lilac water or rose water that the old-fashioned perfume and that comes if it's a paranormal effect if there's no, no other explanation that would come from the ladies in Gettysburg when the decomp, the smell of decomp would, would blow into town off the battlefield. They would carry, they took the carrying handkerchiefs soaked, I mean, sopping with this uh, rose water or lilac water and just clap them over their faces, their noses, so they wouldn't have to smell this. Yeah. Um, but I, that's what I think the, um, 
the programs are are doing one of the things they're doing is showing that there um there are other ways to experience uh, the paranormal rather than just seeing something mm-hmm. um the one thing that the programs do emphasize i think probably too much is you know every time you turn around they're determining that whatever it is is a demon <laughs> and there as you know not every haunting is demonic and uh in fact it's very rare that 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 occurs if you know if at all and in my experience i've never run into anything like that um at gettysburg so it's um you know you get the good with the bad i guess with some of these programs but uh i think it does open people's uh minds a little bit as to just what is a haunting and uh, as you said before, we were talking about a little bit about um, uh, psychometry. How many people actually know that you can, some people can actually hold an item from a um, historic event and be able to tell you something about the event and something about the item that, that was there. I mean, that's a quite an interesting thing, which, which also leads us to the fact that these these buildings, these these rooms that these things have happened in, for example, operating rooms, uh, for example, the Daniel Lady Farm, which we were uh, in, uh, the walls may have a tendency to hold some of the some of these uh, the, the emotions and the and the energies that were given off in that particular room, which must have been pretty horrible, at least according to. Uh, Maureen, as, as, as if you recall. Mm-hmm. But you, you also had, you had your own experience with the manifestation of, of actually uh, blood, I believe it was, uh, at the, land, the uh, Daniel Lady Farm. I am, I am asked often, what is the scariest thing that ever happened to me? And I, I, the, I don't know if I have the scariest thing, but it's the weirdest thing is that... Mm-hmm. Uh, that liquid that we found that I, I was, I was, do we have time for me to tell that story? Oh, you absolutely do. We have an hour. Okay. So I mean, well, half hours. Yeah. Well, there was a, a call. I got a phone call from uh, the caretaker, the Daniel lady farm. Now, the Daniel lady farm was uh, at the time of the battle used as a hospital, a Confederate hospital behind the Confederate lines. And um, it, uh, the, they, the Gettysburg Battlefield Preservation Association bought it and they restored it. The front room they assumed was the operating room because it had the southern exposure and it also had lots of blood stains in it from uh, from the battle. There was one spot that looked like somebody had actually bled out there. I mean, on this on the wood floor, uh, another blood stain where you could clearly see next to the door uh, four fingers and a thumb where somebody pushed themselves up off the floor and and it's it had been there for well it's almost 160 years now but um i was called in and and the caretaker said you got to see this you know we had cleaned this place up for uh a tour yesterday and this just appeared so we walked into the room and uh, i had my video camera going and I'm looking around, and I looked on the floor, and there, there were these three or four long, five, six feet long uh, uh, lines of red liquid, this rust-colored liquid, and drops 
I didn't want to assume anything, but drops of um, this liquid seemed to be crystallizing. So I got a, a yardstick and I put them down. They're obviously longer than the yardstick. And um, I, I I said, How, "What do you have any broken pipes downstairs or upstairs?" I looked at the ceiling and it was there wasn't anything there. Downstairs, nothing. He said, um, "I said he said I got look I got work to do out in the field. I, I don't know what to do about this. I guess I'll worry about it when I get back in." He said, "Okay." I said, "Do you have a, uh, a tissue?" And he said, "Sure." So I I. I got the tissue and I and I dipped it in this liquid, and I and I said I you know I've, I've documented this I don't know what else I can do so he says well I'm I'm out in the field, so he leaves and I leave, and about two hours later, I got a phone call from him, and just a couple of words he said it's gone, and I said what, he said I came back here from working out in the field and it's disappeared, I said I'll be right out. So I went out and I had the uh, camera going, uh, just like I did when the first time. Walked into the room and there was nothing on the floor uh, where this liquid was. And I have a video of him stooping down and rubbing his hand across where it was. He said, it was right here, right? I said, yeah. He says, what the heck? He picked up his hand and you could see on his fingertips a very thin coating of dust. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on here? And Carol was there. She said, I wonder if the, if the samples disappeared too. So she ran out to the car and sure enough, the samples were still intact. The ones we had removed. So um, this organization that owned the place pretty well connected. So they sent the samples off to a, a, a forensic lab in Pennsylvania and three weeks later, the results came back. The liquid was blood, and the species was human. So that's and we're talking about a lot of blood, not to mention the fact that there was there were blood stains there that poor Mrs. Lady couldn't get out of the floor the whole time she lived there, and nobody else could either for 150, 160 years. And this stuff just vanished. It was there was nothing left of it. In fact, there was a layer of dust on it. Now, what somebody's got to tell me? Did I did I end up in a time warp? Did I end up into <laughs> some kind of portal or what? Because that just shouldn't have happened that way. Steve, what do you think? I don't think anything at all because I I can't offer an explanation. But, um, Mark seems to have covered all the bases anyway. He's videoed it. He's gone back, re-examined it. He's had it analysed. Um, there is nothing further to say. No, I, it's I, I couldn't even begin to speculate as to why. Mark, Mark mentioned, you know, the possibility did time slips in some right. way. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. That's why I, I can't. I can't think of any natural. Um, I mean, there are there are liquids that that look like blood. Mm -hmm. um and one of the one of the, you know i can think of one right away which is um there's a story uh, which i investigated which was a cannonball uh, an iron cannonball from the napoleonic war this was actually from the battlefield at waterloo and it'd been brought back to the uk as a war souvenir uh, at the time and it'd been put on display and periodically um the cannonball it had it had 
killed somebody during the war you know it had been documented that this particular cannonball had gone through a, a number of men uh but it was still brought back as a as a memento of the battle and of the uh, the, the lives lost and periodically this cannonball would bleed and it produced this very convincing blood-like liquid uh but it was it was it was analyzed and it turned out to be it's it's a really unusual product of um iron decay it's called iron sweating yeah and because blood is very high in iron hence there is this uh look-alike um but that doesn't explain what mark experience no, and what doesn't. mark has tested i was just saying that you know there are i am aware that there are liquids that look like that but this was liquid it didn't evaporate instantaneously it didn't disappear you know over that it had to be physically you know the the cannonball had to be physically dried to get rid of it um or washed and dried to get rid of it and then some months later it, it would reappear you know i've seen the the uh the photographs of fact i think i still have a couple of them uh that mark took in and mark we're talking a lot of liquid there it's not like it's you know just a you know a little bit there was quite a bit there yeah, yeah. it's it, amazing uh, yeah. I, I, for, I first thought what well, did you kill a chicken in here or something you know there's a lot of blood here yeah and uh you know and the fact also that it was the uh, operating room that that they determined right yeah you know i i don't know it's just the most confusing thing i'm sure joe nickel would have a, a <laughs> valid explanation but i you know, there is no plausible expert from, from what I've heard. There is no plausible explanation that I can offer. It's it's uh, that's the, the the cool thing about what we do is is every so often you get something yeah. like that that you just you can't explain. It is yeah. unexplained. Well, it's extremely bloody difficult to explain. That's uh, Mark. Can I can I jump in? Just change the subject slightly because I am yeah, aware well, absolutely. That, yeah. that that um, particularly on the Confederate side, um, not all of the the troopers were Americans. Um, there was quite a lot of Europeans, uh, particularly Irish. Uh, have you have have your your um, researches revealed the? And, uh, you know, any of these Irish soldiers that were on the Confederate side um, still hanging around? Well, that's a good or question. Or any other European national, because there were also Germans and... Sure. There was yeah, one but or two there were, on the North side, too, there were a lot of Irish as well. I was, yeah, no, well, there was a lot of Irish on the... In, in, because what isn't generally well, well known is that Britain was... Um, a, a, supporter of the confederacy because of our cotton trade right you know we, and, we and you needed... also built some of the uh the runners the not the runners, my, well the, uh, yeah the well, ships well one of my ancestors was um at the employed at the shipyard and, and worked on css alabama oh yeah oh wow um, and there is a there's a there's a family there's, there's a piece of the slipway of css alabama um that one of my relatives has got because my whatever great grandparents moved up to work in that shipyard and one of the first projects when they arrived in 1862 um you know one of the almost one of the first ships they built was css alabama mm -hmm. 
um, which caused no end of political ructions because Britain was supposedly not involved in the war. And yet this private company was building warships for the Confederacy and the cotton uh, traders. of. Oh, they were building ships, the warships, they were fitted out at sea. So that's how they uh, got around it. Yeah, that's what they said at the time. That that was actually proven to because the guns were fitted in the shipyard. Um, they weren't they weren't carrying munitions when they left the river, okay. but the guns were fitted in the shipyard. Although, so, anyways, before we went on that, uh, we you had asked my question about the Irish and, and, and yeah. his research. Well, um, I you know it's difficult when I get my EVP to detect any kind of um, an accent. Now I have, um, I'm trying to think if I ever, you know, there'd be a couple places where I would, would, would try that. One would be um, on uh, Hancock Avenue. There, there's this, uh, um, a site where the Irish Brigade went into battle there. Um, and I possibly could, um, uh, try and get some EVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, of course, their famous uh, battle cry was uh, in Gaelic, Fagabala, which means clear the way. Wow. And I, I might I be, if, I, if I might be able to, to try and use some what little Gaelic I know, which, <laughs> you, you heard it, you heard the extent of it, possibly, uh, um, or possibly get some names from the monument. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the good old Irish names from the monument because there wow. there is a great a huge monument with a with a Gaelic cross and a Irish wolfhound, uh, mon, uh you know statue on it, and uh, possibly in that area I could try and get some um, some EVP from these fellas, uh, from and but that's Union. See, those are the Union guys that went in. Right. Yeah. I I, um, I, I give you a quick word of caution because I tried EVP when I was at uh, Fort Constitution. Um, And of course, in my British accent, I was asking if there was anybody in wish to communicate. And we were getting what sounded like abusive raspberries. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you should. Oh. <laughs> until until one of the, uh, the the one of the members of the public, the guests on the tour, asked, and they got a response because they were American. Mm-hmm. Whoever whoever I was communicating with clearly didn't like the British accent. Ah. Or that's well, how we interpreted it. Yeah, well that that's understandable. That's understandable. I I do though. One time we were doing a uh, paranormal investigation, Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is. Um, another big battlefield uh, mm-hmm. from the American Civil War. And we went out to um, Stonewall Jackson's headquarters. It was a very cold, cold day. And um, the, the, we were trying to, trying to make contact, but we're not having much success with, with that. But it also happens that the um, place where we were was also a, uh, a campsite for the French and Indian War. And we had some people out there who spoke French. So I handed over the the uh, recorder to them and I said, go for it. They started asking questions in French and receiving replies in French. So that was kind of enlightening to me at any rate that 
you know, maybe in some cases you need someone who speaks another language, mm -hmm. um, maybe German, if you're doing some some work uh, for the American Revolution, you know, say at uh, Trenton or something like that, where the where the Hessians were. Or even even outside of Gettysburg in Carlisle, that was a uh, uh, used as a um, prison area for the Hessians. And there's a place called the Hessian Hessian barn or the Hessian spring house or something up there that they actually helped build. So that might be a good idea to speak in German. Mm -hmm. to them. So, yeah, I, I because it's, it's always intrigued me that, you know, when we when we ask or when people ask for um, responses, that these spirits seem to be multilingual and uh, their, their level of understanding in the spirit world seems to be uh, because, you know, they can they can manipulate 21st, 22nd, uh, 21st century electronic gadgets with absolute ease. Yeah, the other I, thing you've yeah. noticed in the, in the past, too, is that, like, you know, if you have a woman do EVP versus oh, a yeah. man, sometimes oh, yeah. you won't get a response from a woman mm -hmm. if, if, if the man happens to be, you know, like a chauvinist of that type or, or a My, my favourite EVP wartime-related story, it's very, very brief, um, relates to a, an English World War II aerodrome. Um, it was actually the aerodrome of the Dambusters and the um, the commanding officer of 617 Squadron, just before they went on a raid, was giving a briefing and his dog, which was also the squadron's mascot, got the oh, and killed. Um, about five or six years ago, a paranormal team went to the dog's grave, which is inside the gates of the uh, RAF airfield and claimed to have communicated by electronic voice phenomena means with the dog and didn't just receive barks and woofs. They had a full conversation with the black Labrador dog. So strange and amazing things seem to happen in the well, spirit world. We, we did have a, the, the medium that uh, spoke with the lion that the dentist killed. And, you know, and he, <laughs> oh, the yeah, lion did turn one. to be a philosopher. I, I didn't know the <laughs> lion was a philosopher, but whatever. Uh, so who knows? Uh, Mark, I know we're, we're heading towards the end of the show. And I want to talk a little bit about Ghost of Gettysburg, too, because those are your, your tours. And you uh, operate out of uh, your uh, headquarters there. And one thing I want to mention before uh, I get too far is, is Mark's headquarters is also very haunted, too. And uh, it, it's so funny because when I asked Mark to do the show, I just someone just a couple of days before had asked, uh, had told me what a great experience they had when we did a remote investigation of Mark's headquarters. And I had forgotten it. It was years ago. So, Mark, how's it, what's it like having a, a, a haunted uh, headquarters for uh, your ghost tours? Well, I'll tell you, it was, Ron, it was great. You know, I've owned it for 25 years now mm -hmm. and uh, the house and uh, the um, you can experiment. It's like a laboratory. And uh, I think I may have mentioned this to you. One of the things I did as a as kind of a test of um, EVP is I was always wondering, do you actually do you really need a human being to interact and ask questions uh, with with the dead to try and get answers? So one night I took my uh, recorder up there in the in the back room, the sec second floor farthest back room, which is seems to be the most active. 
And I, I set it up there and I put it on voice activation. And I said, I'm just going to I'm just going to leave it here. So you hear me say, I, you know, I said the time it's 830. I'm leaving and I'll see you tomorrow morning. And I walked out and the next morning I went back in and I announced myself again. You know, it's I'm back and it's, uh, you know, 830 in the morning. And I just wanted to see if I got any EVP and I turned it off and I looked at it and I couldn't believe it in in a room with no one in it i got 44 minutes of recording there wow. and the and it was it was typical you know their their roars and and like um growls and uh a lot of a lot of uh, white noise in the background like a bunch of people were trying to talk you know like you're at a party mm -hmm. and you can hear people in the background but you don't really really know what they're saying and at least twice, it was it was a winter night. At least twice, I heard the real recording of a snowplow going by. It made a lot of noise, so I knew, so I could tell what what a what the real sound sounded like. And indeed, that what I what what I recorded was mostly EVP, which which tells me that they're there all the time. You know, we can we can we can ask them to to talk to us. We can. Ask them to be quiet. You know, when I have a group like that trying to talk, I always ask, you know, uh, would the highest ranking officer please step forward? And of course, all the guys are going to quiet down. Then they all want to talk to you, but they're going to quiet down when you when you get an officer involved. <laughs> but uh, that that kind of surprised me. And then we've done other experiments in there as well, which um, uh, were have been have been pretty interesting. But it's nice to nice to own a place like that. When, when, you know, and you have the history and we've had people in that, that have identified a number of the ghosts, Mrs. Kitz Miller and uh, Hank, who uh, seems to go on duty guarding the wounded soldiers. We knew we had wounded Confederates uh, in there at the time of the battle. That's pretty interesting to have a house like that. You're not tempted to, um, because, you know, we can now get these Wi-Fi enabled home security cameras. Um, I must admit, if I had that sort of property, I'd have cameras and audio recorders ringing the place. You'd get lots of orbs, Steve. Yeah, we'd get a lot of orbs. But that, <laughs> that, that the biggest problem there is uh, 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 incompetence on the part of the owner here in, in terms of electronics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I never knew how to set that stuff up. However, we do have a couple living in there now that um uh the one fella is is pretty good with electronics so i think he's going to start maybe utilizing some of that to see if he can if he can uh set it all up uh for me so we'll see maybe we'll get some good yeah, uh, that'd be that'd be interesting because they really are a breeze to set up i'm no you know technical expert but it took me about three minutes well, just I'm plug it in and to, connect uh, it to the Wi-Fi. Break up this conversation because we've got to we've run out of time. Uh, Mark, if people want to find out more about your ghost tours and and your books and everything else about you, how can they do that, uh, Mark? From our website, Ron, ghostsofgettysburg.com, and make sure that the ghosts is plural because there's another one out there with it's singular, but it's how ghosts. How dare they? Yeah, can you believe that? ghostsofgettysburg.com okay well Anything you'll be you... hearing from me when i eventually get across there mark that's for sure yeah come on over steve 
Oh, I will be. I will be. We have family in Erie, Pennsylvania, so uh, we, we are planning a visit. Great. Anything you want to add, uh, uh, mention you got coming up or anything? Uh, no. In the springtime, we have our uh, Haunted Crime Scenes weekends, but all <laughs> that stuff is on uh, on our website. People can research it on our website, plus all my books and the newest one, Gettysburg's Hidden Haunted Hotspots is is uh, listed and they can order any of that stuff from uh, from our website all right mark we want to thank you so much for being with us tonight ron and steve thank you very much no okay. pleasure's been ours mark pleasure's ours ron do we have a final word and there is time for the last word and our last word comes from one of your countrymen mr oh, parsons sir winston churchill and his famous last words were Madam, you're ugly, but I shall be sober in the morning. I'm bored with it all. And that's the last word. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.